Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to beat this tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Our boy is back. <laughs> little show open there now people that can't listen to the podcast we are gonna have some video elements pretty soon we have yeah. a nice little show open there what'd you think i felt short <laughs> i don't know i felt like i looked longer in my pink pants than i actually looked in the picture <laughs> i love it because it makes me look taller then i think it looks even better <laughs> but it is good to have you back with us in studio we're pumped up uh we're gonna go five days a week this week so yes are you ready for that i don't know <laughs> i i'm i'm on vacation mode right now yeah so it's gonna take a it's gonna take some getting used to back in the saddle yeah nice all right good to hear so we're gonna get your takes later in the show on lebron to la because i've been dying to hear what you've been thinking about that so we're gonna get to that a little bit later there's been some baseball news out there we're gonna give our picks and props for the home run derby which i can't wait to get to uh but first the world cup final was yesterday yeah did you did you watch it like were you dialed in I wanted to be dialed in. Like, I had everything set up. I was going to sit there, watch the game, uh, and then life kind of took over. Man, I had, like, my kids, and I had one of the other kids on my team, and we just got back from Orlando. So I wound up DVRing it. Right. Um, and then kind of, like, speeding through it and watching the major parts of the game. Uh, so I didn't get to, like, really have a deep dive at a game like I would have liked. That was kind of like me, except yesterday I actually did watch it. But I wouldn't say – and this that's kind of how my World Cup viewing went throughout the event. Yeah. Was, hey, if I wasn't doing anything, I would flip it on. And I actually – there were some awesome games, some awesome finishes. Penalty kicks, I think, are the best and worst way to determine an outcome. Because yeah. I think it's, like, a dumb way to see who the best team is. And yet it's the most stressful, exciting – finish in all of sports like so i love that aspect and you had a bunch of those um you had some great games that were out there so i but i'm i'm like you like but yesterday i actually did watch it and as i was watching it so there was france obviously ends up winning they go nuts all across you know paris all across marseille like everywhere in france they're going nuts celebrating uh but there was a little bit of controversy in the game and i i kind of equate it to the nfl catch rule because it's a controversial controversial rule in the NFL. And I felt like this handball, to me, and the VAR with the video assistant uh, replay, was kind of similar to the struggles that the NFL has had. Defining a catch. What is it? How do you look at it? Sometimes when you look at it over and over in slow-mo, you almost confuse yourself. And that's what you saw on a very crucial uh, goal situation where you had the handball take place on a, a set piece coming across the middle. And to me, it very clearly was a handball. And I don't know what the big deal is, but then you have some hardcore soccer fanatics out there with this, you know, they're saying, no, wait a second, it wasn't that obvious. No, I think it was, I think it was as obvious as you can get. The ball hit him in the hand. His hand was kind of raised above his hip and, and whether it was intentional or not is just like, that's neither here nor there, I guess, at that point. You have a chance for a ball to continue on its path through the face of the goal, giving anyone an opportunity to score it. If it gets knocked down by a hand, like intentionally or inadvertently, um, it's got to be a penalty. You're in your own penalty box. Um, it's a, it's, it is a set piece. I think that unfortunately it, it may have swung the balance of that game, but it was the right call. And sometimes in sport, um, you don't want to see a penalty or a foul or something, you know, dictate the outcome of the game. But if it was a penalty or if it was a foul, that's why there are rules in place for those. They have to be called. So right. I, I had no problem with it. And generally speaking, I thought France was the better team anyway. I mean, totally. Croatia kind of dominated time of possession. 
But France was way more efficient and effective when they got their opportunities. Um, and so I, I had no real beef with it. I thought it was supposed to be called. I get that you really don't want that um, if you're a Croatia fan. Uh, but anyone else, like you shouldn't have had a huge problem with that handball. Were you rooting for France? No, I don't think I was rooting for France because like they were the blue blood in this scenario, yeah. right? And Croatia was the that that underdog. I mean, they've got population the size of basically Kentucky. Yeah. Um so I was uh I, I was pulling for Croatia, although if I'm being honest, I don't really love um the Croatian style, but I was pulling for them. I wanted them to beat I wanted them to be France. Me too. France was a heavy favorite. I I always root for the underdog. Like if I have no dog in the fight, I'm gonna root for the underdog. Sure. I just like seeing that story. Like it's a compelling story. Um but it, I thought it was pretty clear especially late. I thought Croatia had a good game plan to what you're talking about. Like they controlled the ball, they had some outstanding shots on goal. They weren't phased when they went down one nothing, they came back and countered yeah. and, and tied it up. But it was almost like they're like they just in a lot of transition goals, I don't even know what I'm talking about when it comes to <laughs> soccer, but just like right. watching no, it, there were some goals and it was like they in France just had like with Mbappe scoring, with your boy Pogba, like yeah. they just you could tell they just had more natural ability and better talent on the field. And I thought it showed. Like I think I thought the, the best team won, which was pretty clear. Mbappe was off the charts. I did notice something and I thought about something this morning when I was coming in here. Like I think we have our kids playing the wrong sports. <laughs> hey, listen. Mbappe they did a special on him before the game. So he's nineteen years old. Do you know his salary? Um, no. $19 million US. He makes $19 million. They put up a, uh, a graphic, and it was all these superstar athletes, what they were making when they were 19 years old. It was Bryce Harper. He was at 500000 LeBron, I think, was at $1 million. Um, They had all these US, like what yeah. Mike Trout was making, like five. It was unbelievable. He's making $19 million. $19 million guaranteed at the age of 19. Like, you don't have to go up through the ranks, minor league ball. You have to wait till you hit restricted free agency and free agency. Right. There's you, if you're good, you get paid. So this sparked a, a, it sparked like conversation in my house yesterday between my wife and I, who, my wife was like player of the year. Yeah. Like at FIU and, and, and Sunbelt and all that kind of stuff in soccer. And she typically like will take our boys early and put them in soccer. I think a lot of young kids play soccer because sure. it's easy. You don't need a whole lot. Of, like you run around and just kick the ball, right? Like, but my kids phase out and I wind up getting my hands on them. We get into basketball and football. And so my middle son said he didn't want to play football this year. Um, and so I said to my wife, like, look, we, he's played soccer before. He played a couple years ago. Um, not super skilled because he's, you know, he hasn't been touching a ball like that, but a really good athlete. Mm -hmm. I was like, let's start, let's start training him a little bit. Like get him out there, get him with somebody you trust. Let's start training him and our younger one. It's too late for my older one. Right. Let's get him in soccer. Like the debate was, and it boiled down to like my brother-in-law, I think it's centered around who was a really good soccer player as well. Um, but probably like five, eight, um, fast. And my, my wife was offended because my point was like, let's start putting some of our top level athletes and like, not, not saying my son is, but he's, he's, he's right. in the upper percentile just with genetics alone in terms of athleticism. Let's put them on a soccer field from the time they're like nine. Yep. Let's train them to do that. Six, seven, eight, nine and see what like they could become. Like, and I, and us on the world stage, like if our, we had this debate all the time. Mm -hmm. If you have Russell Westbrooks and and some of these Steve uh, Nash, Steve boy. Nashes and, and these NFL quarterbacks and good. wide receivers yeah. training to play soccer, you got a bunch of six four, 
four, three athletes out there playing soccer from the time they're four years old. What do we look like on the world stage? So my wife was pissed because I don't know why soccer fans, soccer players, soccer media get upset when you say that. Like what's wrong with that? It's a fact. I know, right? And I think it's because I don't, I don't know. I I honestly don't know why they get upset about it. You mean to tell me Landon Donovan is a better athlete than Russell Westbrook? No chance. Not a chance. No chance. Any of those guys. Come on. Uh, Clint Dempsey. Stop. Like which, which guy are going to get out there? Um, but will that happen? That's my, that's no. my question now because every time you have the World Cup, it's four, it's four years. Everybody goes by, look at the popularity. Oh my gosh, here, now it's going to explode in the U.S. because we had this event. What does it take to actually get those athletes to go? Like, I, for me, when you see Mbappe making that type of money, that what, is one where people say, uh oh. That's what it takes. This is something. No, that's what it takes. It yeah. takes, it takes your local club team, like your Seattle Sounders or your, you know, New York FC or what, what Portland Timber. It takes those teams to have a guy from your area that may look like you in whatever, like whatever you look like, right? Mm-hmm. To be making 15 to 20 million dollars a year. So you can look at him if you're a kid coming out of the, out of Portland and say, man, I, that's an avenue. Like, right. you know what I mean? It's right. going to take that. And, and, across the pond over in like the English Premier League or in what is it La Liga and all of that like that's cool we hear about it but you don't see that you don't get to see that kid you know at the grocery store in in his range with big like kids don't right. get to touch that i think it'll change but it'll take longer than people think i think yeah. this i think the soccer fans want to see soccer like explode with popularity and we've been hearing it since 99 when Brandy chastain right. you know had the world cup incredible win for the us women's team but i just think it'll take longer i think the eventual death of football, which I do think is going to happen. I think it's just a matter of time. I think that'll increase because all these parents that are scared to have their kids play football, they want them doing something. Right. So then maybe they'll play soccer a little bit longer. But I think that also opens up the door for basketball. Yeah. I think basketball really is the owner. All right. So back to the World Cup. With all the – there was a bunch of storylines that were going around. Which ones did you find compelling? Because you had – you had Neymar flopping, which drove me nuts. Like I can't stand him. Like flopping he, in general was a big like yes. source of consternation for me. Like yes. I hate it. I hate it too. But I think for the first time, we actually saw soccer people say they didn't like it either. And you and you saw soccer trying to eradicate the game from it. Like they were reviewing it, looking at it, seeing if you had it. Uh, I thought it hurt Neymar in their last game when they lost. I think there was a couple opportunities late in that game where they didn't call anything. Right. They didn't go look at it because they're like, you know what? You flopped. We're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, Argentina, Messi was that was a storyline. It was I, Messi. Yeah. It was, it was, it was <laughs> that it was. little pun. Here. <laughs> uh, Ronaldo. Yeah. His thighs were a big uh, storyline in this one, <laughs> which they nice. always are, I guess. Right. Uh, Germany, who was the defending champ, doesn't make it out of their group stage. Eh, does that do anything for you? Like, the yeah. Russia making a, I thought the Russia making a run was actually pretty interesting. Russia making a run was really, really cool. And that game that they played against Croatia was, was amazing. I was on a jet blue flight, like in and out of service as we took off from like LaGuardia trying to catch the end of that. And it was, it was one of those games where you didn't want to miss a second of it, like down the stretch. And the whole plane was screaming like, Oh my God, did you just, that was a really cool story. Ronaldo for me, um, in his like never ending like battle and debate as to whether he or Messi are like are the goat right now, like yeah. like that was pretty cool to watch him go ham early in the tournament. Um, and then Germany, I mean, I don't know, you know, when the last time I don't have the stats in front of me, but uh, to go like what is it, zero and two in group stage, one zero and two in group stage, um, two goals, four against, losing to South Korea and be- being eliminated as the returning champs, that was a big storyline for me also. 
the you know what else was huge, and this is the way we consume sports now is social media, right? And there were celebrations across the world, and it really felt like a competition. Like all yeah. of a sudden, like England's out there and they're watching at pubs. They score a goal, beer goes everywhere. Then you see, you know, France. We watched the scenes like in Paris. There's some ugly scenes, unfortunately, but you saw before the game, Croatia had like these parades going in the street where they're wall to wall jam packed. I thought that was kind of a story that was pretty cool with it. I do you have any desire? To be like, look at, take a look at England, like the celebration they have. Yes, it's awesome, but would you want to be in this bar when they go nuts and they throw all the beer everywhere? Uh, yes. You do? I would want to be in there. Yeah. You'd have to be game, like you'd have to game plan and like be ready for this. I'd have to be near an exit probably, <laughs> yeah. like just to make sure I didn't get caught in anything I didn't want to be in, but yeah. I generally like, uh, you know, celebrations like that and just to see, you know, England was also like a very, very interesting storyline for me because I like England, like I've, I, I was on with Wayne Rooney and those guys back in the day. Yeah, I, and I like they got a really, really young team with a lot of good players like Harry Kane, Deli Ali. Um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, um, uh, Trippier. Like oh, yeah. they have a lot of young, good players, and they could be really relevant come the next World Cup in theory. Um, so that was another big storyline. I really, I, I like the three Lions. So. Yeah, the Golden Boot uh, for the most goals that went to Harry Kane. Uh, Luka Modric. I loved his story. And is is he the one with guy, the, he's tiny. He's is he the one that was beefing with his, like, like with his, uh, association and stuff? Is that, yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess so, apparently. So we'll see. I, I'll think, I think it'll be interesting to see, like, do we just go back to normal status quo in the U.S., like when football starts, or does the Premier League ratings start to increase? Yeah. You start to see the MLS. And I, I can't tell. I don't think it does, but you never know. Again, I think it's going to move at a glacial place, but eventually I think soccer will take root a little stronger in the U.S. I am – if we get this Miami team, I'm buying season tickets. You will. I will. Season tickets. Yeah, I will because I don't have season tickets, and I want something that my kids can kind of be a fan of. And, like, I, I won't go to the Heat games or the Dolphins games, like, as a season ticket holder. And the Miami Hurricanes make you jump through so many hoops that I'm just usually a one-game guy. But I will buy tickets for the Miami, uh, whatever they call FC, whatever they, whatever they wind up calling themselves. So we always have ideas for where we should take the show on the road. Yeah. Eventually, maybe we'll get one to happen. Qatar? What? Qatar or Qatar? For Cut. the next world? You Cut. say whatever you Why want you as long do? as we're there. Yeah, exactly. Let's do it. Let's do it. So you're all in? <laughs> I'm in. I think what else will be interesting is so this obviously was in, and this was perfect for a guy like me who's likes sports, but doesn't have anything to watch in July. Right. Mid July, it was perfect. I think it'll also be interesting to see the popularity when it takes place in the middle of football season because the dates on uh, were just released. It's going to be November 21st Ooh. through December 18th. So you're at the end of the NFL season. You're going to get to the start of the bowl season for in you know conference championships in college yeah. football. I wonder if that'll hurt as much as say the U.S. not being there this past year. Like because I think that definitely hurt the viewership. Uh, that people just like didn't care if your country's not playing. That was kind of how I felt. Um, I, I think it'll hurt it even more if there's other stuff, especially sure. the NFL going on in four years. So Huge I think that'll hurt the, the viewerships too. Yeah. So we'll have to see how that goes. Get the best highlights and biggest stories right in your inbox every morning with the CBS Sports HQ newsletter. It's packed with all the good stuff you need to see before you start your day. Just go to cbssports.com backslash HQ daily to subscribe. Now for some headlines on CBSSports.com in what we call read and react. Okay, Danny. All right, first one, what do you got? Mike Tomlin is excited and hopeful that the Steelers will get a deal done with Le'Veon Bell. The franchise tag deadline is 4 p.m. on Monday. Um, Coach Tomlin says he's hopeful that the two sides come to an agreement. If the negotiations fail, Le'Veon set to make 14.5 on the tag this year, making him the highest paid 
running back in the NFL. Yeah, they both sides seem optimistic. There's been some back and forth. Le'Veon for the first time in this whole kind of it's been going this ongoing you know negotiation. I guess you could call it. it's been going on for a couple of years, and it's been a it's been a problem. Le'Veon has been very outspoken saying I want to be paid as not only the highest running back, but see a little bit more value for my money. The problem is his position prohibits that. But if you look at the numbers. Him making fourteen and a half million of the franchise tag is not even close. I mean, it's almost double. Exactly, and I like this is one of those circumstances where I think if you're Le'Veon Bell, I think you should actually consider taking on the franchise tag. And I know it's you're only going to get that one year guarantee, but you're going to make a lot of that money up front. And I just don't think you're going to get that big deal that he thinks he's going to get. Now maybe he's come around and he said, "All right, you know, hey, let's look at the big picture." Let me see if I can get something that's a little bit fair and equitable, but he's not going to make anywhere close to $14 million a year. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And and Le'Veon Bell, in this a plug-and-play type of position in the NFL, yep. do you imagine, and this is just purely your opinion, um, if I took another running back, an average running back, say, in the NFL, mm-hmm. does it take that much away from what the Steelers do? No, that's the thing. That's the problem that he has is right. that it is a plug-and-play. Now, he is, he is a top three, top four running back, but again, by nature of the position – you can get somebody else to come in. There's not going to be that much of a drop off. Yeah, that's that's tough. Well, get your. I'm always for a guy getting their money. And speaking of which, let's go. Let's move on to Jimmy Butler, who rejected Timberwolves' four-year, 110 million dollar extension offer. Uh, this is according to Minnesota owner Glenn Taylor. Uh, this isn't new to Jimmy Butler. He's turned down you know contracts in the past. The key here is Jimmy Butler's set to become an unrestricted free agent in 2019. At which point uh, he could make five years, 193 million. Um, with the Wolves if he were wait, if he were to wait and sign. So, uh, yeah, he's giving up a lot of money on the front end. He's gambling on himself, which, you know, sometimes works out and sometimes it doesn't. So there's been a lot of reports about his issues within that locker room. Carl Anthony Towns yeah. specifically said he, I don't, I find that hard to believe. Like having met Carl Anthony Towns, but you never know. Guys have different backgrounds. They come, they have different philosophies, different work ethics, all that stuff. I mean, it's like any job workplace. Like you have people you get along with and people you don't. I, I don't, I would find a way to get along with people if it's going to, if it's going to potentially be the difference in $187 million a year or 139 with somebody else. Well, I know Jimmy Butler is a grinding type of dude. Look, 22 points a game, five assists, five rebounds. I mean, his numbers speak for themselves, like perennial all-star. Uh, but he's a grinder. He's cut from the Tom Thibodeau mold. And if Carl Anthony Towns, if I'm watching him from the outside, like the one thing I might be able to say is a little too Cool for school, if you will. Like he That's may younger generation. Yeah, he might still be. And, and and typically, like you know, this as pro. Sometimes you come in and you think that it's all easy and you want to get paid and you want to look good, and then your priorities shift as you get to a point in your career. And I don't know that Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not saying this unequivocally, but I don't know that his priorities have shifted yet, and they might not align with with Jimmy and the way he wants to play and what what window he is in in his career. So that could be interesting. But he but he hit the lottery last time. Like he gambled on himself, it worked out, uh, and so I got to hope for the same for for Jimmy this time around. What would you do? Would you take the bigger contract with a longer guarantee? So you get five years, yep, and you get more money, but you might not like somebody, you may not love the city you play in, or would you play for less with a year less of guaranteed money? And still, see, to me, it's so much money that you're going to be financially stable yeah. overall. Why not play for a little bit less and be happier and get to play somewhere that you get to select where you go? And the NBA, there's so much shoe money, too. You can make some of that up. The answer to that question would have been depending on where I was in my career and how much money we were talking about, right? Like if it, if, let's hold if, on. Let's start from zero. Yeah. Right, let's say, well, let's assume we all have zero dollars. Yes. 
And it's those are the numbers on the line. Would it change for you, like the difference in those? Well, the numbers were what? One. We can get five. So if he re-signs with the T-Wolves next year, he could make $187 million on a five-year deal yes. with them. Or he could make $139 million for a four-year deal with another team. Uh-huh. So it's for less like, value, talking less about, time. Yeah, you're talking about roughly $50 million. I mean, uh, yeah. Right? yeah no, no, 40, 40. Yeah, $45, 47000000 million. He's playing less year for uh, uh, but it's still $139 no. million, so you're set. So people typically, like, I, I love this. People are like, what's the difference between $180 and $140 million? $40 million! Yes. Um, <laughs> that's a tough one. Like, I see your point, though. You're locked in for one less year, so if you're right. still in your prime, you'll make that up on the back end. Yeah, that's the risk you run. If you get yeah. hurt or something, maybe you don't make that $40 million. But if you gamble on yourself... You could probably see that forty million. If the, if if I were if, if the one forty was in a situation where like I, it may not just be perfect, um, it may not be. But well, the one eighty was in a situation where it may not be perfect, but I could get through it, and I think I can make this work. Like I probably go for the one eighty. If it was toxic, I'd go for the one forty. I would do it. Like if it was Minnesota or Miami, I would be like Miami for forty million dollars less. Like right, right now, just because you want to live in Miami. I think living situation for me was so like. It was a heavy like weight on the scale of yeah. where you want to live. W- winning, winning, not a factor in that because Miami's not set up. Like Minnesota gives you a better chance to win right now. That's true, but you're still not going to win a championship with Minnesota. Yeah. That's the problem. Like, there's you, only four teams that you can go to with win. So you, it's like you might not win Florida, like in <laughs> Miami. You might not beat the match. <laughs> All right, let's keep it moving. <laughs> Speaking of winning, all right, the Machado rumors, the Phillies, Brewers, maybe finalists. Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers previously rumored to be in the mix, uh, but Philly and Milwaukee have emerged as favorites with two weeks until the trade deadline. Machado was pulled from Baltimore's game Sunday, sparking the rumors, but those were shot down. Uh, Ken Ken Rosenthal said that the infield was sloppy um, and they pulled him so he wouldn't get injured. I think he's. He's going to the Yankees. I think it's only a matter of time. The July uh, ted, t- trade deadline is July 31st. You've been saying this all year, just about. Yeah, I think he's going to – I mean, that's the long-term deal. I think, the, But also just for this short, like, kind of rent, rent-a-player rent type situation, the Yankees have the most to offer as far as their farm system. I think they're in the most desperate position because they, they're in this heated race in the AL East with the Red Sox, and they realize, hey, we need something to get us over the hump. If there's not another pitcher uh, for them to add to their rotation – they need a bat that's as impressive as what Machado can do. So I I feel like it's just a done deal. It's only a matter of time. And you've got this kind of two-week window. The longer it goes, the more the Yankees keep beefing up their offer and saying, all right, we need this to happen. What do you guys need to do? And I think it will. So in the in the baseball, and you got to forgive me for not knowing baseball, right. this is purely like big bank takes little bank. Yeah. And the Yankees can just sit there and just keep throwing money at you, keep throwing offers at you because they got the biggest pockets. Yep, with free agency when that rolls around. But even they have – But even in, in a trade scenario, like, the, I mean – well, this is, they have, but they, they've done a fantastic job. Like, they have a really good farm system with young players and the minors, double, triple A. So they got the assets. Because they, they have, they're also, their roster is so good, so there's nowhere for those double and triple A players to go. Yeah. So they can take the risk of saying, let's win now, as opposed to let's ensure we're set up for the future. And I think that's what they're going to do. Uh, if they, if they get Machado, World Series champs? I don't know, cause I think they have more issues in the, in the starting rotation with Sonny Gray and how par- awful he's yeah. been. So I think that's what's going to, it's, but they're, they're basically, it's like, do you want to win with defense or do you want to try to go toe to toe with the Astros, uh, with another starter or do you want to try to just get out front and hit them and try to win them with offense? I That's gotcha. like that, you know, age old philosophy. What do you think? Pitching and defense win a lot of championships. So that would have been an overreaction for me saying that. Right, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Cause that taking, I was trying to set up a segue. I was trying to set up a segue. All right. So that. <laughs> All right. So it takes us into our next segment, overreaction or proper reaction. 
All right, Serena Williams will not win another Grand Slam. Overreaction or proper reaction? I set it up, Angelique Kerber. You know what happened. Angelique Kerber, you know, beat her in straight sets uh, in the Wimbledon final. Yeah. She's won 23 Grand Slams in a career, including seven Wimbledon. She's 36, turns 37 in September. Uh, Serena spoke after the match, so let's listen to Serena real quick. To all the moms out there, you know, I was playing free today, and I tried, but, um, you know, Angelique played really well. She played out of her mind, or, you know, so... Um, it was really good, and I look forward to, you know, just continuing to be back out here and um, do what I do best. She is unbelievable, what she's been able to do. I think it was nine or, tenth month, nine or ten months ago, she had a baby. She had to have a C-section, so that, like, totally rips apart your stomach. It's a, my wife had three of them, so sure. I kind of know the drill. Sure. Um, I was on here with you on this podcast. No doubt. And I said she won't win another Grand Slam. I would walk that back. Like if I was if I was a betting man, I would bet she wins another one, even though it would defy all the odds. She's defied a lot of odds throughout her entire career. I was I think she's on like on target to get there. I think the fact that she even got to the final in Wimbledon is super impressive. So I would walk that back and say that she does win another one. Yeah. Although the priorities you heard her talking about not seeing her kid take the first steps, like she was very emotional. She's very emotional here. I just wonder priorities wise. Like if she says, Hey, I, I am going to be 37. Do I start just going in full time and right. being with my family? Like those are very real things that happen in life. And I think those are things happening playing out in Serena's mind right now. But I think she wants another one. So I think she'll get it. I, I tend to agree with you. I think she'll get another one. Um, although the body is going to heal and that will get easier for her to get into shape and get into form. The priorities will continue to shift away from tennis. And that's the hard part. It happens to men and we're not oh, even the sole caregivers. Like we're not attached to the children in the same like physical way that a mom is. And so that's going to become harder and harder for her, but she is in a machine. She's a machine, right? So if she wants it. I, I think she'll get it. But those Challenges only get harder for her. What bothers me is when people say, oh, it's sexist to say that, you know, why are we talking about this as she's a mother? We had the exact same conversation with Tiger Woods when he had children. Yeah. Because it changes your priorities, whether you're a male, a it, female, it changed a mine. or a father. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it, like we, I was joking with Stan, our guy in here, you know, who runs the building here. Right. And we were talking about golf. And he's like, are you a good golfer? And I was like, well, I used to be until I had kids. Like, you're just, everything changes priority rise when you have children. What you do on vacation, all of yep. it. And athletes are no different than us. Like, Correct. They're like everybody. All right. So Serena, Serena gets the French Open uh, next time around. No. I'm, all right. <laughs> the Cardinals fire manager Mike Matheny. Overreaction or proper reaction? Following Saturday night's loss to the Reds, St. Louis announced Matheny was being let go, even with a winning record. Cards were forty-seven and forty-six at the time of the firing. Uh, I'm gonna say. I, I'll say overreaction because of the timing of it, because it's the middle of the season. Very rarely do you see a baseball team make a switch midseason and it fires up the team. It gets them turned around and they all of a sudden go off and they win the pennant and they go, everything's great. So I think they probably could have waited, but I think this is more about wins and losses. This is about a manager who has lost his clubhouse. So what, ha like, what do you mean he lost so his clubhouse? There was like, article, explain that to them. There was an article in the athletic, uh, about a week ago, which I think the timing is very, it was very um, – it should tell you something about what's going on. And The Athletic talked about Bud Norris as one of their starting pitchers, and he was basically hazing uh, Jordan Hicks, one of their young pitchers. Right. And it was kind of in this area where it's not friendly hazing. It's kind of getting to be over the line. It's getting to be over the top, and he was going after him. And so they We're have, getting into bullying now. Yes. Yeah, and all right. So Mike Matheny was asked about it, and he had some very interesting comments about it, said, hey, well – 
players are a little bit softer now, and he did not Ugh. probably handle it in the way that he should have. Um, not to mention he's had a run in with, uh, Dexter Fowler. They weren't even on speaking teams with their, uh, outfielder in the, in, uh, on their roster. So it, for a bunch of reasons, it just looks like Mike Matheny is their classic old school baseball guy who, you know, Hey, if you, if you hit our guy, we're going to hit yours. We hit the brawl. We're going to do this. We pay back this way. Right. And one of those things that he felt was old school was hazing guys and doing things a certain way. And in 2018, you really can't do that anymore. Yeah, that's, you, like I think hazing is and I don't, hazing is a word that kind of sparks people the wrong way. They're rites of passage. Is, they're, right. they're, they're, they're they're things that you do. Um, like we shaved heads. Right. You come in as a freshman, you too. shave your head. Right. Yep. Um, you, you get in the NBA, like you you have to carry the bags. Like you have to hand out the gear. You know, I had to hand out Allen Iverson and Derek. I mean, the Kembe Matumbo. I had to bring all their their laundry around, and and you know, you have to wait when you get into a city, uh, and everybody like, let's say you get in at one in the morning, everybody gets to go to bed. Like you have to wait there with the equipment people for the truck to show up with the luggage, make sure it gets to everybody's room. Like all of that. Um, it's stuff that you don't want to do as a rookie. You want to sleep too, but like those are things that get passed down from, from like rook to rook to rook. And I believe in them because it establishes a culture, kind of establishes that hierarchy that you need in a locker room. And as long as you're not like physically or verbally like abusive to the point where like verbally, let's say you're just ruining a, a, a young player's opportunity to become a pro because right. you've just, you've browbeating him so much that his confidence is low. Right. Any of the rest of that, um, throwing popcorn, filling a kid's pop car up with popcorn and stuff like that, all of that is in good fun for me. I totally agree with you, but there are, and we've seen it happen, Jonathan Martin here, the Dolphins. Remember Richie yeah. Incognito? That was a huge scandal in the NFL. I agree with you. I just think it's becoming harder and harder because I think the younger guys, the rookies, have to kind of get it. Yeah. And now guys come in and they don't want to cater to authority they don't want to bow down to the older players and kind of say i get it you guys are the vets you have to show me the ropes players are like no i'm getting paid i'm finally a pro i mean just as much as you and you you can't tell me what to do and uh, that is a really tricky dynamic to monitor if you're a coach or manager in 2018 i just think it's i think it's a it's just a kind of an issue that you have to it's a generational thing it is all right but but i'm with like i don't how do you do that like do you do you say no hazing because i think it can be fun if the rookies get it like i've it was funny to get my head shaved. Like I didn't care. Right. I kind of liked it walking around campus. I was like, yeah, yeah. I was playing on the football right. team. I was like, yeah, this is great. But I've also seen where guys almost go down and throw, throw oh, down yeah. because they didn't want their head shaved, which for I'll sure. never understand. But yeah, I think it's, it's totally generational and I don't, I don't have the answer for it other than I think it's going to phase, it's going to wind up phasing completely. I like that's the way we're going where you're yeah. just going to have to phase that all the way out. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's going to hurt, it's going to hurt sport. It's going to hurt tradition. Um, um, and, and specifically like in the NBA, and I don't mean to get long winded, but it's going to hurt like the, 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 those are like lessons and, and uh, like when you hazed me, I eventually became like kind of your rook. I was right. under your wing. And so you taught me the ropes right. with guys not willing to be hazed to some degree or not willing to go through the rites of passage. Like older guys are going to be less likely to take them under the wing. So you're going to get guys that don't learn how to be good pros from pros. Right. That's going to hurt your product. It's really hard for people to understand. Like, but there is a bond that is developed through that hazing process, yeah. that rite of passage. And I, people don't like to hear that because you have seen in all the publicity that comes out from negative hazing and where it gets really ugly. But that is, I think, the manager coach's job to oversee it and make sure things don't get out of hand. But I don't, I think we've lost that luxury in where we are today. So I agree with you. I think probably it's going to be banned across sports, which. Uh. 
going to be the way it is. Well, pick your poison. Speaking yeah. of picking your poison, let's throw it to Debo for picks and props. Yeah, picks and props. He's getting good at this. Um, if we look at the standings, Raja has not picked in a while. So yeah. Still <laughs> right. Danny, I think I won a lot with World Cup. Uh, you struggled, but luckily that's over. So now we're picking Summer League, WNBA, and regular season baseball. Today, though, the real show, it's in D.C. We're picking the home run derby. The favorite is the hometown Bryce Harper at plus 275. Jesus Aguilar is actually the number one seed. They're doing a bracket this year. My pick, I got to go with plus 700, the hometown Reese Hoskins of the Phillies. Who you guys got? Who do you like? Oh, that's um, I guess I'll go because I don't know any of these guys. I'm going to go with. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's go. the problem with the home run derby is that they don't have Stanton. They don't have Judge. They don't have Trout. Like they need to get their superstars yeah. in the home run derby. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I Javi Baez played for the Cubs, right? <laughs> he, yes, he won a World Series with the Cubs, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going with Javi Baez to win it. He's right. the one with the dope. Like, he wears all these cool cleats and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm going to go with Max Muncy. He's got 22 home runs uh, to this point in the season. So I'm going to go with Max Muncy. He's been on Roger, who's he play for? Max oh, Muncy plays for the Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers. <laughs> no. I even, I even do that. I pulled that one out of my hat. <laughs> uh, killed it. He plays for the Dodgers. Um, right. So a benefit of having you two guys on the show is we can always relate current stuff back to your playing days and in your prime. The prop today, if we took it back to 2001 and we did old rules, you guys had 10 outs at the plate in the home run derby. Over under two and a half home runs for Danny. I'm going to set it at over under Point five for Raja. Did you look up what year I played minor league baseball, Debo? Two thousand and one. I did. Yes. Hey. One thing I could actually do was hit home runs, but you don't know how much I get in a home run derby setting. So I would say I would get over two and a half easy. I'll go over two and a half with you. Yeah. I'll go over two and a half. Now every time you hit a ball that's not a home run, that is an out. Yes. Doesn't go out. All right. So you're, yeah, okay. And 10, 10 outs. And every time you hit it over, you it get would, another, you, you, it's not an out. Right. Exactly. All right. Yeah. I'll give you over two and a half. There we I'll go. I'll give you that. That's fine. You were a hitter. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm going to go under for me. You couldn't get one out? Eh, in I don't 2001. think so. In 2001. I was, I'm, no. I did think. You play baseball in high school? I did, but I was not, a, I was never a, a good hitter. hitter. Yeah, I was not. And, and technically speaking, like I play softball, like, and I can knock him out in softball, but I'm not, I'm still not a power hitter in softball either. Right. Um, so I'd say under for me. All right. For sure. We got to make all these over under props happen. Like me against the World Cup goalie. We need to do that. Let's go. Let's take this thing out on the softball field, bro. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Let's, uh, let's get a little co-ed. <laughs> all, right. all right. This is becoming one of my favorite segments and I think it's going to get even better because I peruse some of these sections that we're going to read from. So this is summer reading with Raja. So every Monday over the summer, we're yeah. going to take an excerpt from the book, Seven Seconds or Less by Jack McCallum, where he followed you around. Uh, your squad when you were on the, what, the Sixers, right? No, the Suns. The Suns, yeah. Uh, so let me hear. Let's hear your excerpt today. All right. So we got a couple. So in this is, uh, I wish I had chapter and verse, but I don't. <laughs> All right. Indeed, a couple of weeks earlier, Bell had been awakened by a call from the NBA, warning him that he would be closely watched in the playoffs for prior acts of aggression. Such warnings are not unprecedented, and the NBA considers them to be a favor. The Suns prefer to think of Bell as being on double secret probation, as the brothers of Delta House were in Animal House. All right. So when you got this double secret probation, yeah. did it change the way you played? Like, Absolutely you not. 
No, you, you, you just said screw it. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go out there and keep doing my thing. Yeah. I'm, and that was the way the coaching staff approached you too. They were yeah. cool with that. Well, I had like Mark Ivoroni that year was always really concerned about like my temper and whether it would cost us a game <laughs> to the point where he like slid a letter under my door in Chicago one time. Um, and I, I read it and I was, you know, look, they asked me to walk that fine line. So I like that was kind of my job. So I was offended when Mark slid it under my door. So I wrote him a letter and slid it back under his door. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we have the excerpt from those letters. That's I what I want to read. I should have saved the he letters. Wrote you a handwritten letter. He, he wrote me a handwritten letter, slid it under my door, to which I replied with a handwritten of my own and slid it under his door. And we just was yours shorter or longer than three words? Uh, it was it was longer, but it contained three words. Like uh, I was looking at two words that I was going with. I was going with the over under on there. All right. Um, yeah. So, but but it didn't change my approach. I just went out. I couldn't afford. I wasn't good enough to do that. I had to play the way I played. That, right. That's what I did. All right. Um, all right. So next excerpt. The Suns uh, post practice shooting games feature a revolving cast of characters, but Eddie House, Edward Shooter Hands, as Roger Bell has taken to calling him, is almost always one of them. He usually wins. I don't know about that, Jack. Like, what the, like, I don't know. I, like, seriously. We, anyway, um, one day I asked Bell if he had ever taken any of the house, any of House's money. Don't go there, he said in mock anger. Get out of my face with those Eddie questions. <laughs> so these must have been epic, like shooting, like, these were knockdown, drag out battles of, yes. of a game called, we called it out. It's essentially horse with three letters, like pig, but we called it out. Really? Yeah. How much money was exchanged in these games? Eddie and I never bet. Oh, you didn't. It was just bragging rights, just wearing each other out. Every single day, after shoot around he and i competed in out and we kept a tally all year and it was really really close like he'll tell you he won i'll tell you that i won but these were like whole team gathered around to watch us shoot the ball <laughs> did you have a go-to shot that you'd go to that you know you could get him on we both did you did but we we did it so often that we both we both became like very good at shooting each other's go-to shot right because you knew you were gonna have to shoot it like it, these were epic battles. I love that. That type of stuff is what I love. Like I, that's what I miss about I being miss that. on a team. Yeah. Like I don't like the games are great and playing week, but that's the stuff you miss. Yeah, that's the definitely the stuff you miss. So here we. All right. The argument today is whether Bell is allowed to take two dribbles before shooting. The important thing, argues Bell, is the shot itself, not the dribbles, not that dribble. Uh, and so Eddie says that ain't right. It's a whole thing I got going, and you're trying to variate my. To make his point, House appeals to bystanders. He grabs a ball and performs a shot, finishing up with a loud aha as he makes the move. What? I gotta say the aha too, asked Bell. No, says House, shaking his head. That's the crowd responding to my sh aha. <laughs> I, lo I love this. Did he ever do the, the big ball celebration with you when you were No, that, oh, that was after. Later. That was after the. No, no, no. He did do that. He, he did. did that. That was I, his thing early, way back then. Did he do that? He might have invented it during your games of out was when he probably invented it. Yeah, we would have fought. We would have <laughs> If he would have done the big balls on you, you guys would have thrown down. Yeah, he was an absolute character. All right, I love it. All right, I, that's my favorite segment of the week by far. Uh, all right, so I've been dying to know, because you were out, you were on vacation doing some basketball stuff with your boys. Yeah. LeBron to the Lakers, go. Your thoughts. Um, It just, it kind of, it kind of blew me away because I didn't think that they were going to be in a place, I didn't know that they'd be able to get, uh, Paul George or Kawhi. Neither one of those happened. And I did not think that LeBron had the time, um, in his career at, at the point he's at to wait on the Lakers and this process that they, they say they're going to undertake. So I really didn't see it coming. Um, I, I also think that, like, this has to be purely about post career stuff and him wanting to live in LA because there were a lot of other destinations, you know, namely the Sixers that were plug and play, ready to win type of scenarios. Um, I, 
In 2010, when he went to Miami, it was about championships. In 2014, when he went back to Cleveland, it was about delivering on a promise. In 2018, it was just about doing what he wants to do. And that was from LeBron's agent, Rich Paul. So that's what it, that's what it struck me as. Like he really wanted to be in LA. Uh, he's got businesses set up there. His family loves it there. Um, I am really interested to see what Rob Palenka and Magic can do because like this is a huge leap of faith for LeBron, and I know they've articulated what they want to do, mm-hmm. but none of that means that you're going to be able to do that. Um, and you've seen, you know, people come out and allude to it lately with Rodney Hood, uh, Isaiah Thomas to a certain degree. Kyrie didn't necessarily want to play with LeBron anymore. Kawhi has said he'd prefer to maybe play, you know, in another in, with the Clippers instead of so. Like, not only do you not know if you can achieve any of this, but depending on what kind of year LeBron has health-wise, statistically, and how his teammates react, you may have guys that don't necessarily want to come and play there with LeBron. He might not be their vehicle to a championship next year. So I think it's a huge leap of faith. It, it caught me caught me off guard. Even though everybody was talking about it, I was really surprised. I was surprised, too. I still don't know what their plan is. Uh, Magic Johnson was talking about it, and he said, I asked LeBron what his expectations are, and he said he understood where we were as an organization, as a team, and what we're building. He was really happy that Rob and I were not rushing, not making mistakes by rushing. And I told him that we had a three-year plan. We had a plan that we wanted to execute and that we could really take that plan to a whole nother level. Because a three-year plan with this roster, with Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson, that ain't winning you anything. That, like, that's making the playoffs maybe in the so West. Contavious, um, JaVale, Rondo, and Lance aren't in the three-year plan. Right. Like those are right. things that you put around him right now to try to make yourself a viable team in the West. Like you're not going to contend, but that's viable. You know, those are pieces that he can kind of lean on as veterans. Those aren't that to my point, Danny, where, what is your three year plan? It's a whole lot of shopping, um, and, and wheeling and dealing that has to be done to construct a roster in the West that can compete with the likes of Golden State and Houston. That's a lot of stuff going on that they've got to get done. I thought Kawhi was a done deal to the Lakers. You know why? Because Vegas had their odds at who wins the championship next season. Yeah. It was Golden State was the heavy favorite. The Lakers were the second favorite, which I thought was nuts. I'm like, how does Vegas have them as the second best team with that roster? In my mind, I was thinking, well, they're probably Vegas knows that Kawhi Leonard's going to get there. You know what's happened in the last week? They've dropped down. It was five to one odds. Right. They're going to win the championship. It's now they've dropped to 10 to one. Uh oh. And the Boston Celtics moved ahead of them. The Houston Rockets moved ahead of them. And then there's the Lakers. So to me, it says maybe this isn't happening. Maybe it was because of Lonzo Ball's injury. Like I think, cause I still, I still don't think LeBron and Lonzo play on the same team. I think that, I just don't think that's a good mix. I think LeVar would drive him crazy. I just think that might be part of the plan that was supposedly in place. And I think it got derailed somewhat by his injury. That's very, that's, that's interesting. Um, and speaking of injuries, like I, does LeBron know something that I don't know about like health and, and after you turn 30 something, like does is he, is he living like a, a time capsule or something? Is he Benjamin Button? I, because like he's sitting around like, like, yeah, I got three year yeah, like, plan. Were you kidding me? Three year plan. He's going to be ancient in yeah. NBA years when he gets that age. Although. In his defense, he's coming off maybe one of his best seasons that he's ever had at the age of 33. Benjamin defying He is defying the odds right now, and I think he's betting on himself to do that. Uh, For 2019, I think if you're looking at it from LeBron's standpoint, you're saying, all right, one year I can suck it up, maybe try to carry this team to the playoffs. But in 2019, the list of free agents that are available are pretty impressive with guys that you could possibly play with you. Ooh. You got – 
So, mm. so you got Kawhi, who would be a free agent. Yeah. Durant, would he, if he gets one more championship maybe. in State, would he go to L.A. to They're play supposed to be boys, maybe. I love to see Clay Thompson go to play with LeBron and just separate the Splash Brothers and see if, because I also think it would make the Warriors more vulnerable, and I would like to see that. Ky- uh, Kyrie ain't happening. Kyrie's not. Um, Jimmy Butler's an interesting one. Jimmy B and LeBron would be tough. Um, you've done the Kevin Love experiment. Al Horford's not going to have a lot of tread left. Um, Boogie. Boogie could be interesting on a rehab. Uh, well, that was a lot of Achilles. speculation that Boogie was going to do it this year. I thought that's what was going to happen when LeBron went. I thought he he and Boogie had to have had a, a sit down and they were in agreement that this was going to take place. That that is a, that's a considerable free agent list. Um, some of those players have already played with him, and I don't think it would happen again, which narrows it down. Um, I wouldn't rule Kawhi out with the Lakers. I think maybe some of that Clippers but I think talk this was year smokescreen. But don't you think this year? I think the Spurs are getting a little bit more strong-handed. No, no. I, I think ne- I think as a free agent. Right. Yeah. Right. I think coming in next year unrestricted, um, you know, the San Antonio is going to kind of stick to their guns, even though I think that's a silly move. Um, but I, I think you could wind up seeing him there when it's all said and done next year. All right. Speaking of championships, what could happen in uh, Cleveland maybe? Uh, let's go look at our socially relevant for today. So Channing Fry. Socially relevant. On rejoining the Lakers. So, Debo, can you help me explain this one? Yeah, so Shanning Fry posts this Instagram that says he's rejoining the Cavaliers after he spent some time after maybe LeBron dished him to L.A. He said, well, I guess this is hello again. A very passionate, loyal, maybe optimistic Cavs fan said, get ready to take us to the finals again. <laughs> Shanning responded, way too early to be drinking, LOL. He knows the realistic expectations for the Cavaliers next year, and it might be 25 wins. Yeah, uh, I think that is going to be interesting to watch how bad Cleveland is with Kevin Love being the focal piece, with Channing Fry going, like, what is this team going to look like? And I think it's going to actually help LeBron's legacy when you see how, how much bad drop off there is. Yeah, they're going to be really, really bad. Yeah. I, I texted my buddy Kobe Altman yesterday. I'm going to send him a box of bagels from, <laughs> from Bagel Biz. Like, I had to get him a gift. I was just feeling bad. I was like, ah. Uh, it was awkward. I think Ty Lue was out in uh, the Vegas in the summer league, and he went up to LeBron and said hi. And I was like, that's got to be awkward. <laughs> he just said peace <laughs> to you guys. I'm He's sitting there with his new, his, new, his new team, his new wife, and you're like, well, another like, guy. Exactly. Crazy. Let's finish it off like we do every single show with some topics. Debo, what do you got for us? Topics. While the world was celebrating football, Philadelphia was celebrating football. A street in Philly shut down on Sunday as fans relived Super Bowl 53 five months later on a giant projection screen, which, if you didn't know, the Eagles won. Uh, I'm confident the celebration isn't going to end for a long time. I'm with you. I'm actually on CBS Sports HQ, which you can watch right after our show. I'm doing a segment on the Eagles Super Bowl hangover. This yeah. is not helping. It is the hardest thing to do, I think, in sports, especially in football, is to repeat as Super Bowl champs. They are still just – and it's not only the fans. The players eat it up, too, and they're really? still kind of on that kind of tour that they take around. They're kings. Everybody's telling them how great they are. No. It's really hard to bounce. It's time to get back to business. Like, I, you have to put that – I think it's cool. Like, I love the fact that they're doing this. That's corny, bro. What's going on? That's corny. <laughs> stop, Philly. And I love Philly. Like, you're I'm like, all – uh, stop. Party. Stop. Anytime I, I actually – there was at the gym the other day. I was working out, and there was – like it was a random regular season game, and the World Cup was on at the same time. There was a regular NFL, like it was and Chiefs Patriots that. Week One. Some dude was sitting there watching it, and I was like, you know, there's a live sporting event you could watch. Yeah. Like, nope, he was watching that. I was like, I, all right. Like, I'm okay. I'll sit there. I watch a replay. My wife hates it, but I'm I'll watch replay games. Know the outcome, not a problem. Especially football because I love it. But I'm not going to close down a damn street and have another like watch party. 
for that. That's corny, bro. Get, get, you're better than that, Philly. Evo, man, you're better than that. Uh, I'm hurting here, Raj. I, I rooted for you when I was eight years old, and you just called Philly fans corny. I don't know how to react. Um, but non-existent hangover. It's not the players. Maybe the fans a little bit. They're still literally hungover. Yeah. Um, but the guy that almost delivered a Super Bowl to Philadelphia 13 years ago, Terrell Owens, still being surrounded by some of that drama that was attached to him during his playing days. So he's not going to be at his Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony in Canton in August, saying that he's not going to be there for the people that had to wait. The Hall of Fame, not even going to make mention of him during that ceremony. Whose side are you on? I'm on the Hall of Fame side now. At this point, with T.O. playing these games, I thought maybe there was a sliver of a chance that he would back off it and just kind of he was doing it to make a statement. And then he would end up saying, talking to some people who had reasonable views, point of views, and said, you know what? This is a really big deal. Why don't you just go? And you can use your speech at the Hall of Fame to get whatever message you want to get out. Yeah. He's like, no. So I'm glad for the Hall of Fame for saying, you know what? You don't you don't want to come? Then we're not even going to mention you. That's corny too, bro. Come it's, on. Grow up. Regretful. Grow up, T.O. Like that. It's your day. De- you made the Hall of Fame. Yeah. This is this is your day. This is your platform. To your point, if you want to get a message out there, use the platform to do it. Like not going is just it's it's corny, bro. True I don't story. Have, True yeah. story. I got into the Florida State Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, and I was asked to go up there and be inducted. It was the same uh, ceremony where Bobby Bowden was inducted. I passed on it because I had just moved to take a job with ESPN and I was calling some garbage week one game right. in college football. And so I was like, you know what? I have a new boss. I want to keep them happy. I regret it to this day that I didn't go. Because that's like yeah. a special ceremony. But you had a job. You had a job. You, you yeah, were making a decision like, based on like not wanting to <laughs> right. like ruin your career. That's what I'm saying like he is going to regret this. Of course. 10, 20 years so stupid. Like I should have gone. And I bet he, I bet he comes back and tries to do something. You know what? It's not going to work. Go up on stage and run that four three forty you were running. Like do whatever you want to do, but go to the damn ceremony. Exactly. Raj, I have a feeling you don't think this next story is going to be corny. Uh, we need no further evidence that Fortnite is a worldwide sensation. Griezmann uh, being dropped in the World Cup after Griezmann hits that penalty kick, drops the signature L dance. Have we reached the peak? Is it ever going to get better than this for Fortnite? I would have drop kicked him in the calf. <laughs> if you were right. like, if he's that doing the loser insulting. dance after like right. kicked, I would have drop kicked him like, in the calf. It's not just like any celebration. It's not like it's doing the hype or anything like that. Right. 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 There's right. still a, there was a lot of time left in the game. When I know. I'm definitely going low with a kick. Lose. Didn't Fortnite just drop a new map or something? Didn't oh, yeah. Season 5 update? came. Oh, oh dude. Yeah. Five, no, that? so nasty. Still hooked? What am I? They got a golf course on there now. You can drive golf carts all around it. So oh, dope. See, now you're luring me. So in. dope. Now I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> but if I, but the minute that I buy it, it'll be gone. Like now you don't be, buy it. That'll that's be the a beauty. It's free. Oh really? It's freebie, bro. All oh, you gotta boy. do is download it. <laughs> All right. The minute I start playing Fortnite, the minute it'll start to die. <laughs> that's when you know the fat is over. I uh, like the in your feelings challenge. Have you done that yet? Have your boys? No, no. Like the shiggy, like like Emmy. No, they haven't done it. I haven't really showed it to them because I don't want them doing videos all over the house. <laughs> All right. Uh, we might have to do that as a show, but I think that. That would definitely be the end of <laughs> that would be the challenge if you did that. Like there is a good way to judge when things have run their course. Uh, and usually it's when people over the age of 30 start to fall into to those. Get them on, yeah. All right. It's great to have you back, man. Again, we are on five days a week this week. So if you're listening to the podcast, you're going to get a whole lot of us. Hope you enjoy it. And as always, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell.